0: Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Coffee with the Superintendent. Hopefully they'll be in person soon and we'll actually be sipping our favorite uh, uh, drink of choice with that. Welcome here, uh, Pete Peterson, our superintendent of Cuyahoga Benton School District. How's it going? i oh, going real
1: well, Shane. How are you?
0: I am doing well. I've actually been able to get out and do some in-person uh, interviews lately, so I'm excited on that side kind
1: of nice, isn't
0: it? All right. Well, the questions I have, and we do have a public question uh, at the very end.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So at uh, Tuesday night's meeting, it was in person. The school board meeting was in person. Is this going to be a plan moving forward even after COVID or now and after?
1: Yeah, I think the, the school board meeting and the way it was designed, of course, was was following the social distancing limits, the Department of Health, and everybody's put on to well everybody, yes. Um, but with us moving to phase two, we were able to do face to face with the board as well as limited seating. I think we could fit. I mean, honestly, I think it was nine people. Once you you space out uh, all the chairs six feet in a circle, and everything like that, and we did continue it with Zoom, so people would have access. So I'd say short term, yes, it's the plan to continue uh, to do live meetings as much as possible, um, and we will, uh, you know, live stream them somehow, uh, whether it's Zoom or another medium. Okay. Not hundred percent, but Zoom seemed to go fairly well on Tuesday. So it's that is probably the limit until we were able to we're able to move into phase three and then can increase the seating. by reducing the spacing but that's the plan moving forward
0: well and before i forget uh we just got to give a shout out to david rodriguez the it guy for uh, the school district um i me as a older tech guy doing customer service and doing these types of things is not even a tenth of what he's had to accomplish in the last year. So, I, I have no choice but to applaud him, give him kudos, and I'm just impressed. And the fact that he got the camera up and he was getting the stuff going for Zoom that way, yeah, I I'm thoroughly impressed.
1: Yeah, David's a rock star, and um, he knows as well as as anyone in the district the value of using technology to our advantage, and. And quite frankly, of course, when we were first talking about this, there was still snow on the ground, and we weren't even sure if if we opened, whether people would even be able to drive there. So we wanted to make sure to have that that streaming experience. But I think you can plan on seeing that for the for the duration of, of how long our restrictions are in place. And then moving forward, quite frankly, I think it's time to just simply be able to live stream our, our broadcast, uh, our meetings, so that... You know, people have the choice if they want to just listen, they can turn it on. And if they want to still show up and and make a public comment, they're certainly more than welcome to. But it's time to come into the 21st century, so to speak.
0: Well, I definitely like the addition to have and I hope it moves on, keeps moving forward even after COVID. Just so it's there, maybe more people will get be aware and have that information right in front of them.
1: Well, I know that you know there were times in our Zoom meetings over the course of the past eleven months that you know we had by far a better turnout online than we would even be able to hold in our boardroom. So um, that tells me that the the desire is there to be a participant or at least to listen to it. So I think we need to we need to hear what you know see the results of what our community is saying and then react to it in a positive way. That this this is not just becoming a uh, accommodation for a few because of the COVID it's, it's become really, it's something that's necessary and that our that our folks want. So it's up to us to respond to things like that.
0: Definitely. And also, um, the people who watch it later, I guess we're all Netflix and Hulu fans now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, I'd get, uh, it's not uncommon to have 30, 40 people, uh, watch it at, through the next week. So yeah, yeah, I definitely appreciate having it out there in the school district now doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, Next item I have is you stated at the meeting, you didn't plan to give any more reopening reports at the board. If I could just read, it it would be great. So no more reopening uh,
1: reports? Well, uh, as far as a standing agenda item, uh, it's kind of like I I told the board at the time, we're as as reopened as we're going to get right now okay um so i i guess what i didn't want is to have the board members seeing that on the agenda every time and getting their hopes up when in fact <laughs> uh the thing that's going to change for us and when that happens everybody's going to know about it because it's going to be all over the news is when those restrictions are lifted yeah uh, social distancing and things like that so so realistically it's like i said to the board we're as far as we're going to go um until something else happens so um I'll, I'll always revisit it at any time they ask or anytime they, they, uh, have heard something. But as far as the standing item, I don't, I just don't think it's necessary because our reopening is, is, it's as good as anybody around. I can tell you that right now. Um, I was speaking to a principal from, a another high school in another district that's close by. Um, and he marveled at the fact that we had all of our kids in a school every day. Um, Uh, was very impressed by that and I think it's it says a lot about our our staff not just our teaching staff but our custodial staff and and principals to get things to work so that we can get the buses running get everything going so that the value of seeing a kid in my opinion even if it is only two or three hours a day is much better than seeing a kid you know for two or three hours a day twice a week and having the rest online Um, and that's what a lot of other districts are doing and more power to them i just think this is a this is another example of of uh our school district doing what's right for the kids first and foremost and uh maybe it's not always the easiest thing for adults in the room but uh guess what it's the best thing for kids is to have them here every day so
0: right and having interacted with uh, some of the youth through my uh, church they're ecstatic at being back oh absolutely you're talking about uh the success we had, I was actually surprised. I just, I think I read it this morning. Walla Walla is just now doing in person.
1: They're, they're making the plans to get back. Yes. Um, And, and lest people uh, locally forget, and I say locally to include the region as a whole. I mean, if you look on the West side, there are districts, Seattle school district is not back. Um, Bellevue Bellevue school district has second uh, K through second grade back. Wow. Um, you know, we're very fortunate. We, you know, it, it's it's hard to say because everyone's been through a lot with this. And nobody liked it. But there are districts that are wishing they had half of what we're doing uh, right now. So hmm. I always try and keep that in perspective when when I think, gosh, how bad it is we don't have the kids, you know, back for a full day. I'm, I'm talking to people across the state where their kids still haven't seen the inside of a classroom uh even at the kindergarten through first grade level and that's a that's a hard one for me personally
0: yeah well we're coming up right on the year we had a coffee with the superintendent right before we're we're planning to get this rolling earlier and absolutely and we were talking then about yep we're shutting down and that's what that's what in two weeks to mark it to mark that year
1: yeah i mean the last day that we had had kids was uh I want to say it was March 15th of 2020 was the last day we actually had kids. We had a day then that was a day off that had been pre-planned, I think on the 16th Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and the following Monday, everything was shut down statewide. So um, it's, it's been a long haul, but again, it's wonderful to be, to be able to walk into buildings and see kids, see them interacting, even if they are socially distanced. I mean, it's, it's a hundred times better than it was. So Definitely. Um, the other districts that are out there are still trying to, to make a decision. I tell them, just come see what we did and steal it. It's, it's fine. I don't care. Um, just get your kids back.
0: Well, and I believe you've talked that. Uh, are we still where we've had no, um, contagion or passing of COVID in the building? It's always been external, uh, that a student might be sick.
1: Yeah, we've had nothing from student to staff or staff to student or student to student. Wow. Um, You know, we had one staff to staff issue and and that was quite frankly, it was just a, a poor decision on a few people's part. But it's not the it's not the end of the world. I completely understood it at the time. As to the why they thought it was okay, but unfortunately it wasn't, and a, a couple people got COVID because of that. It didn't. It was after hours, after kids were gone, uh, but it reinforced the fact that you know our protocols aren't in place for us to decide when we're going to follow. And we follow them from the day we, from the time we get up in the morning and get here to when we go home, uh, regardless of anything else, and that's that's just for everybody's safety.
0: Well, good. There was no students in that involved in that, but. I mean, even at one one, con- that's an amazing number. I mean, we we're a smaller district, but still, that's that's the achievement. Well,
1: we're, a, we're a smaller district, but we're also a pretty highly impacted community. I mean, if you look at the numbers on the DOH website, we've we've had uh, more COVID cases here in Benton City proper than some bigger communities around us. So, well wow. um, it, it really does though go to the testament that. Kids want to be here. They're willing to do what they have to, to be here. Um, You know, teachers are, are more than willing to follow the guidelines. Um, You know, if I wasn't sitting in my office and walking around a school, I'd have a mask on and make sure I'm not too close to anybody. Um, It just is what it is. Um, We want it. We want the, the one thing I will say though is, is I hear, I've heard kids say this. Absolutely. They are not willing to risk doing anything that would cause us to go backwards. Because they are enjoying right. the fact they're back right. to school. Um, so I, I have no doubts we're not we're not going to have any issues moving forward. It's not to say there's not going to be a case here and there. There is. I mean, and that's a fact wherever you go and however careful you are, but um, we're doing everything everything possible uh, with the mitigation factor or mitigation efforts to make sure that it's as low a chance as possible.
0: Excellent. Um, moving on to, and the next question you mentioned that the state superintendent is looking at the possibility of reducing the space between students and if i understood right you're they were looking for a possibility of a guinea pig or a test school district for that is that something our district would even consider
1: well not not in the not in the sense of you know being a pilot or willing to to uh guinea pig because nobody's going to guinea pig on our kids quite frankly um I guess the the next logical step I guess is where I was trying to go with the board if we're as if we're as open as we can get um the only thing that there is to move forward with is to decrease the amount of social distance between kids kids and staff and staff and staff so um I think where the state superintendent in conversations with the governor and conversations with DOH is okay we're at the wall for some districts of where they can go with their reopening until we do something about the 6 foot rule. Okay. So what he is saying is for districts who have brought elementary kids back successfully, they brought middle school and high school kids back successfully over a period of time would there then be the opportunity to say to a district like ours or another one okay you've shown that it that your protocols are working things are working and the next step then would be to open it up not simply for us or not simply to ask us if we wanted to but to say if these conditions have been met then you can take the next logical step and that's all i'm looking for is what's the next step okay. um so if we're not you know i don't want to be sitting here um, doing the same thing we've done in may or june showing that we're we're doing the right thing showing that our protocols work but there's nowhere else to go because they won't relax a six foot rule
0: right. so it, it, it'd be more of a phasing type concept of okay we've done this the next phase the next step would be reduced okay that makes sense
1: yeah and quite frankly it's, it's uh it's it's simple we don't have the next phase it doesn't exist so we're we're at the we're at the end game right now until the social distancing is addressed. Um, and that really isn't something superintendent of public construction is going to have a lot of say. in. that's going to be okay. a that's going to be a governor's call, Department of Health and Labor and Industries call.
0: Yep. That. Yeah. L&I and DOH and are going to have a whole big conversation, I'm sure. Yeah, ab-
1: absolutely there.
0: <laughs> um, which means then, obviously, we're students and faculty and staff are going to continue wearing face masks for the foreseeable future then
1: yeah and of course we don't have any anything official Um, all we can go off is by kind of the rules as they were implemented and if you take them away um, the same way they were implemented masks were one of the first things to be recommended they're going to be one of the last things recommended that we drop so um, I wouldn't I mean honestly where I'm at personally is uh, you know, we're going to get through this school year, probably in the same model we're in, but my big, our biggest concern now is next fall.
0: True. I mean, and, this school year is almost up already in my in my thinking. Well,
1: yeah, because, um, you know, when working with Mr. Henry at the high school, you know, we're planning next year's schedule for classes and what's going to be offered. Um, we need to know what next year is going to look like by, I would say, the, at the latest, the 1st of May. Um, otherwise we're going to have to make two sets of plans again, um, in the chance that somebody decides to change it at the last minute. And, and it's not that we don't, uh, have the capability to do that. It's just, you know, you're creating two sets of contingencies when it'd be pretty easy. Just give us a yes or no. Right. Then we'll go ahead and plan for it.
0: Yes, we can adapt, but can we stop? Can we just have a plan?
1: Yeah. That's, and quite frankly, that's almost why I, why I don't like to, to even use the term phasing anymore because the phases switch or who's responsible for them changes. And, um, it's, it's been one of the, the word metrics and I just don't get along anymore. I don't want to hear about metrics. Um, because as soon as somebody doesn't like them, somebody changes them. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: Sorry. I, I, yeah, it's, I it's, totally it's,
0: understand.
1: <laughs> I, I was laughing at that about six months ago. Uh, after that, it became more of a personal thing.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Well, yeah, well. Hopefully, uh, somebody up there will allow us to keep moving forward. So excellent. Um, the school board. Next question here. The school board uh, approved a vote for the next levy, which I believe is April twenty seventh. Yes. Okay. Um, there you are planning to seek or request dollar fifty per is it thousand? I think that's right. Uh, yes. okay. If I understood right, this is the m- minimal that we could that the school district can ask for. Uh, why the choice of going to the minimum?
1: Well, um, I don't think it's any secret that, that we haven't been successful in demonstrating our need in the past uh, okay. for higher amounts, quite frankly. Um, at the same time, um, the dollar fifty is an important number for for me personally because there's nothing that says you can't go lower. But at a dollar fifty, there is the idea that there is this there is this thing that's called levy equalization. Levy equalization is is money that the state provides to what are considered to be property poor districts. So if you take a city like well, you take Benton City for instance, and the the amount of acreage that that Benton City sits on, you know, the price per acre is not as valuable as that same plot of land in downtown Seattle, obviously.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. So definitely.
1: what the state does is they say, okay, for all of you people that are that are passing tax rates, um, you know, a Seattle tax rate at $1.50 can raise a billion and a half dollars. $1.50 here will raise... million. So what happens is, is that the state government then says, because you passed at a rate that were it to be somewhere else in a property rich district would garner more money, we will give you uh, a matching dollar amount. So for instance, if we passed a dollar 50 and the corresponding $1.4 million uh, collection that would go with that, the, the, OSPI will then match six hundred and fifty dollars to $700,000 in addition to that.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So
1: if, if for instance, we were to go out at $1.45, which is only five cents different, um, it wouldn't save the average t- taxpayer more than a buck or two a year, but it would eliminate the $650,000 coming from the state. So Whoa, yeah. it, it's certainly not in the best interest of the district to limit it to the point where we're giving up uh, matching funds that, that come directly to us locally. They're not predetermined funds. They're entirely at our discretion to use in the same way that levy funds are used. So for things that the regular, uh, the daily allocation that we get, the things that that doesn't pay for, that the levy does, it's just that much more money that we can then, then put into that.
0: Okay. So if we pull in 1.4 with the dollar 50 and the state brings in, is going to add to it because of the equalization plan, but basically we'll get 2 million out of a 1.4 deal. Correct. That's exactly
1: it. Yeah.
0: That's, that's almost too good to, L- over- well it really
1: is. is, because then if you consider okay, what if we drop that down to 145 or a 140, 140? We drop the overall collection, let's say down to 1.3 million, but then we don't get the six hundred thousand Out six hundred and fifty thousand. All of a sudden, the difference in five cents can make the difference between literally one point three million versus two two point oh five. So
0: wow, yeah,
1: it's it's a big number. And I think personally, I think it would be irresponsible of myself and the board to go to the voters with a number like that, knowing you're leaving $600,000 on the table for simple a simple nickel increase.
0: Yeah, definitely. I can see that. Did I hear right during the board that even if the levy passes at this minimum, we're still going to be $750,000 short? Did I hear I understand that.
1: Yeah and and really what that's due to is the that we have now the the collection of our previous levy has ended. So when the when the voters go to the polls in April, they're not enacting a tax that's going to take place immediately. They're enacting a tax that would start in January of 22. So we we have that gap year in between which is roughly uh, $750,000, um, that we didn't collect that we could have been collecting up to a certain point. Um, there's that it's, it's like a bridge across a river and then it's gone, you know, now you have to right. take the long way around. Um, so yeah, it, it, even if it does pass, we're still not seeing that money for next, for the beginning of next school year, we're going to need to make some, some appropriate cuts.
0: And not on the question here but uh, i was just thinking so we're looking probably a few years to rebuild after the a loss of a full year
1: yeah you're really looking at a at a two to three year time period before you can start ramping back up just to get back to the level you were at before um and it, it's it's a tough position to be in it's not one that i'm going to complain about um you know, like I've said many times on this show uh, or this podcast, um, you know, make the box. I'll play inside the box with the, the limits that we have. But at the same time, um, there is no immediate impact from uh, a success, just as there's no immediate impact for a first loss. It's not until you go that first year that you really feel the impacts of the loss. And then it's another year until you see the impacts of your of your gain. So. We're, we're in a uh, belt tightening mode, regardless of what happens. It's just versus you know, long-term versus very, you know, somewhat short-term versus a longer-term prospect.
0: Yeah. I'm just still thinking about that. The three, four years. I mean, that's a, that's a whole lot of academic stuff that's being lost just by one year, I mean, that's, it's kind of like reversing the uh, 2 million uh, concept of being at a dollar fifty. we get this much extra, that one year loss costs us three and four years down the road of Correct. getting all the academic level we want. Yep. Um, okay, well, <laughs> I, even though I've thought about this, I didn't see the huge ramification of that. That's, that's a major thing deal there i'm i'm hoping we can get this passed next time
1: well um you know as as you know i am I'm, simp- I'm pretty simple when it comes to i'm just going to pass along the facts um uh the the actual um adv- advocating for the levy and things like that happens outside of work hours and and through volunteers here in the community um you know, it's, it's, they, they aren't secrets. It's, it's pretty simple when you put those types of dollar amounts out on the table, that if we're, if we're going to live with our means, that means that things are going to get cut and uh, it leads to some tough conversations, but that's part of the reason that I sit in the chair is to have those. So is- that's all right. I'll be
0: your, I'll be your emotional side. For yeah. It. There you go. And throw opinion all the way around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, along with Getting back to our whole uh, quote-unquote normal education, we're seeing a definite impact. There's no question of the impact of COVID. Uh, does the state have any plans for moving forward with graduation and dealing with this gap?
1: Well, there are several bills that are, that are moving through the legislature right now um, because, I mean, ac- across the state, there are districts and schools where the kids quite simply haven't been able to haven't been able to get all of the credits that they need through no fault of their own, and I think that's the biggest the biggest issue. Is um, kids and accountability are are perfectly fine in my world, um, but it's not their fault that COVID happened. It's not the seniors' fault this year that they missed out on on athletics for a year or they didn't they weren't able to take Spanish for a year. Um, those types of things, uh, that happens, you know, this, the, the reality is, and and I've said this publicly is this is not going to be a one or two or three year fix for the kids in our district or any district. Right. Um, it's going to be a decade impact because, Unfortunately, the kids at the lowest end of the spectrum, from from age standpoint, I mean, the kindergarten first graders lost a significant portion of their lives that they should have been in school. Um, so that you know, those kids are going to have the biggest opportunity to come back. Um, but we're going to have to change the way that we do business, quite frankly, around how we're how we're teaching in the classroom, to how we're administrating in the buildings, and making sure that we you know, and it's a catch 22 because at the same time we're talking about, um, you know, tightening the belt financially, we're going to have to exp- expand our, our opportunities for kids to make up for that lost time. Um, we're hoping to see from the state, some support for additional increased summer programming after school tutoring and things like that. Um, but again, we're talking about a virtually a calendar year. So, um, right. You know, if you, if you think about it, just in the number of days, if you miss a 180 days of school, it takes a while to make that up. If you're only doing 30 or 40 in the summer, um, it could take four or five years of, of going to summer school to be caught back up to where you would have been had you just not missed that year.
0: And You know, I just was thinking about it. We, it's a calendar year, but we've actually had two years of school hit
1: correct wow yeah absolutely and so what what uh you know just part of the requirements that that the state puts on on the districts and on to me i have to submit a plan uh to the state by the first of june what is our plan to make up for learning loss quite frankly uh, what are the opportunities we're going to give kids now we're not obviously i can't make a kid come to summer school um we don't have that level of authority but The one thing I am committed to is if any parent wants their student in a summer program for extended learning, that they get the opportunity, not just the kids who are most at risk, but any kid, even if it means a student who is normally a very high achiever, but didn't get as far as they normally would, we have to have a plan for them. So we're going to have a lot of those discussions tempered with possible budget cuts, but um, this stuff isn't going away. And it's going to do a disservice to our kids and our community if we don't come up with some options for them.
0: Speculating, if you had a mass turnout of students wanting summer school, would um, it be an online or would you just fill, put it in with staffing, staff uh, in-person teachers as much as possible?
1: No, it would be in-person as much as humanly possible. Okay, Um, because we, you know, some of the things we know, having lived this dream for a solid year now, um, not everybody has access. And quite frankly, uh, our younger kids especially need the socialization, uh, that comes with being around other kids and being around adults. Um, so we want to do as much in person. I think we're always going to have an online component. I think that's another uh, myth that's out there is that, well, we went online and we're never going to need it again as long as we get back to school. I think that that horse is, has left the barn, quite frankly. We're always going to have an online component. Um, and for some kids, it's going to be very appropriate for them to take extra online if they choose to, um, but for a vast majority of kids, they just need back with some, some one-on-one guidance from teachers and some in-person yeah. activities to get them back caught up to speed. It's going to be the fastest way.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know in my own daughters, I had a couple that were really good online and one that There's just no way she had to be in the class with the teacher. So definitely understand. Hey, we're cutting close to the time here. So I'm going to drop the very last question and move on to the one that we got from the community. Uh, It is from Sherry Stewart. She asked, Will the district uh, be implementing BLM Marxist curriculum and planned parenthood sex ed curriculum?
1: Well, the, the easy answer would be just to say no and leave it at that, but I, I want to give some explanation because I think this is an important topic, especially anytime, you know, as, as we're a small, small school system far away from Olympia, um, and it seems like every, sometimes somebody coughs at Olympia, that means we all get a cold on this side. Um, <laughs> yes, so I think, the, so like I said, the short answer is no, we're not, we're not implementing any of, any of the things that Sherry asked about. But I think the, the bigger picture really is the community as a whole elects its school board members to represent the best interests of the community overall. Um, our school board is then responsible for formally adopting any curriculum Um, and it has to go through a public review process. So in any scenario, anytime anybody's talking about adding a curriculum or implementing new curriculum, there's a very specific course of action that has to take place. It has to be presented to the board in a public meeting, has to then be open for review. So that means that we literally would put put the samples of the materials out on a table in our, in our foyer area and invite anybody and everybody who wants to come take a look at it to come take a look at it. And then we would take their responses back to the board and the board would have to vote one way or the other. Are we implementing this or are we not? So um, this is, I think something that sometimes we hear about things that are happening in Olympia and not realizing that still there is um, no matter what, no matter what uh, is out there, there still is local control over um, curriculum and, and things that we do in schools. Now, can they mandate um, certain items that they say we have to include, for instance? Well, one of them is is a Veterans Day activity. We have to have a Veterans Day. That is told to us by state law. Huh. With the, what the state law and what the legislature and what no one else says, though, is How are we going to do it? We have to have a Veterans Day ceremony, but it doesn't tell us how to do it. So, the same is true of curriculum. They're going to say you have to do these things, but we are left to best determine how we do it. Okay. Um, And that, like I said, has to go through community review, has to go through full board review, and has to go through an open comment period. So, I'm very, very, uh, very satisfied with the fact that our community knows what's best for our schools. And uh, whatever mandate may come down, we're going to address it as the community wants to and says we should.
0: Well, having seen the process for the last two years, I've been enlightened. So I always uh, recommend anybody and everybody go to the school board meetings, go to city council, go. And if you can't go, then see it online or uh, go and review it via uh, recordings online or ask for minutes because it is important and you know what may be set out in the greater population might not be what our school board's doing.
1: Well, and I think it's, it's very important to remember that. And I would say this, this was true as I was, as I was growing up, as I, as I became a teacher and later an administrator it's, it's an intimidating uh, experience sometimes to go in front of a mayor and a city council or a superintendent of school board. But that's why, um, you know, when I have a question for the city council or something like that, I, I don't necessarily go to the meeting and ask it publicly. I'll, I'll send the mayor or a city council member an email and say, Hey, can you help me out with this? And I would invite anybody who wants to do that, you know, the school board has their email addresses on our website. Mine is on our website. All of our cell phones are on the website. You know, um, some of the re- best questions I've got have been via text on the by school cell phone. Hey, what do you know about this? And I can write back to them. You know, this is what I'm hearing. Um, and and what I like to do is to be able to shoot down myths be- before they get propagated to the point where there's a there's a big problem. Let's solve problems right, at the right. smallest level um before it gets there
0: and definitely go to the source I, yeah i absolutely. I've been a strong proponent go to the source not the rumor so yep. all right with that i believe we are out of time thank you so much again for your time i enjoyed it. i hope it, uh the community yep. gets a good value out of it and with that we'll talk to you next go around
1: okay thanks shane